Chapter 19 of Certain Personal Matters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Graham Scott, Cheltenham, England. Certain Personal Matters by H. G. Wells. Dunstan's Dear Lady The story of Dunstan is so slight, so trivial in its cardinal incidents, such a business of cheap feathers and bits of ribbon on the surface, that I should hesitate to tell it, were it not for its inwardness, what one might call the symbolism of the thing. Frankly, I do not clearly see what that symbolism is, but I feel it hovering in some indefinable way whenever I recall his case. It is one of those things that make a man extend his arm and twiddle his fingers and say, blinking, like that, you know. So do not imagine for one moment that this is a shallow story, simply because it is painted, so to speak, not in heart's blood, but in table claret. Dunstan was a strong, quiet kind of man, a man of conspicuous mediocrity, and rising rapidly, therefore, in his profession. He was immensely industrious, and a little given to melancholia in private life. He smoked rather too many cigars, and took his social occasions seriously. He dressed faultlessly, with a scrupulous elimination of style. Unlike Mr. Grant Allen's ideal man, he was not constitutionally a lover, Indeed, he seemed not to like the ordinary girl at all, found her either too clever or too shallow, lacking a something. I don't think he knew quite what it was. Neither do I. It is a case for extended hand and twiddling fingers. Moreover, I don't think the ordinary girl took to Dunstan very much. He suffered, I fancy, from a kind of mental greyness. He was all subtle tones. The laughter of girls jarred upon him foolish smartness or amiable foolishness got on his nerves he detested with equal sincerity bright dressing artistic dabbling piety and the glow of health and when as his confidential friend confidential that is so far as his limits allowed i heard that he intended to marry i was really very much surprised i expected something quintessential i was surprised to find she was a visiting governess Haringey, the artist, thought there was nothing in her, but Sackbutt, the art critic, was inclined to admire her bones. For my own part, I took rather a liking to her. She was small and thin, and, to be frank, I think it was because she hardly got enough to eat of the delicate food she needed. She was shabby, too, dressed in rusty mourning. She had recently lost her mother. But she had a sweet, low voice, a shrinking manner, rather a graceful carriage, I thought, and though she spoke rarely, all she said was sweet and sane. She struck me as a refined woman in a blatant age. The general effect of her upon me was favourable. Upon Dunstan it was tremendous. He lost a considerable proportion of his melancholia, and raved at times like a common man. He called her in particular his dear lady and his sweet lady, things that I find eloquent of what he found in her. What that was, I fancy I understand, and yet I cannot say it quite. One has to resort to the extended arm and fingers vibratile. Before he married her, which he did while she was still in half-mourning, there was anxiety about her health, 
and i understood she needed air and exercise and strengthening food but she recovered rapidly after her marriage her eyes grew brighter we saw less of sackbut's delicious skeleton and then in the strangest way she began to change it is none of my imagining i have heard the change remarked upon by half a dozen independent observers yet you would think a girl of three-and-twenty as she certainly was had attained her development as a woman i have heard her compared to a winter bud cased in its sombre scales until the sun shone and the warm moist winds began to blow i noticed first that the delicate outline of her cheek was filling and then came the time when she reverted to colour in her dress her first essays were charitably received her years of struggle her year of mourning had no doubt dwarfed her powers in this direction presently her natural good taste would reassert itself but the next effort and the next were harder to explain it was not the note of nervousness or inexperience we saw there was an undeniable decision and not a token of shame the little black winter bud grew warm-coloured above and burst suddenly into extravagant outlines and chromatic confusion harringay who is a cad first put what we were all feeling into words i've just seen dunstan and his donor he said clearly she was one of those rare women who cannot dress and that was not all a certain buoyancy hitherto unsuspected crept into her manner as the corpuscles multiplied in her veins an archness she talked more and threw up a spray of playfulness and with a growing energy she began to revise the exquisite aesthetic balance of dunstan's house she even enamelled a chair for a year or so i was in the east when i returned mrs dunstan amazed me in some odd way she had grown she had positively grown she was taller broader brighter infinitely brighter she wore a diamond brooch in the afternoon the delicious skeleton had vanished in plumpness she moved with emphasis her eye which glittered met mine bravely and she talked as one who would be heard in the old days you saw nothing but a rare timid glance from under the pretty lids she talked now of this and that of people of good family and the difficulty of getting a suitable governess for her little boy she said she objected to meeting people one would not care to invite to one's house she swamped me with tea and ruled the conversation so that dunstan and i who were once old friends talked civil twaddle for the space of one hour theatres concerts and assemblies chiefly and then parted again the furniture had all been altered there were two cosy nooks in the room after the recipe in the born lady it was plain to me it is plain to every one i find that mrs dunstan is in the sun of prosperity rapidly developing an extremely florid vulgarity and afterwards i discovered that she had forgotten her music and evidently enjoyed her meals yet i for one can witness that five years ago there was that about her i can only extend my arm with quivering digits but it was something very sweet and dainty something that made her white and thoughtful and marked her off from the rest of womankind i sometimes fancy it may have been anemia in part but it was certainly poverty and mourning in the main you may think that this is a story of disillusionment when i first heard the story i thought so too 
but so far as dunstan goes that is not the case it is rare that i see him now but the other day we smoked two cigars apiece together and in a moment of confidence he spoke of her he said how anxious he felt for her health called her his dainty little lady and spoke of the coarseness of other women i am afraid this is not a very eventful story and yet there is that that very convenient gesture an arm protruded and flickering fingers conveys my meaning best perhaps you will understand End of chapter nineteen